Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to my favourite takeaway, the show for people who love food but cannot always be bothered to cook it. My name is Tom Crane and with me is the wonderful Simran Shah. How are you, Sim? I'm great, Tom. How are you? I'm good. I'm a bit croaky. You see, yes. I've been, um, You've been, I've been Ill. Ill this week. I've had, in the past week, I've had COVID, then I recovered from COVID and then I got food poisoning. Do I sound quite cool and, you know, like a smoker in a sort of 50s movie? If you want me to say yes, then yes. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel better and happy. Now, Sim, uh, would you like me to blow your mind? Go on. We've got an email which goes against everything you stand for as a as a takeaway lover. Okay. Right. The email is from a guy called Sean Gibb, who's emailed the okay. show to say, Hey team, love your work. In the Celebrity Burger special, which we did a few weeks ago, Simran mentioned the disappointment when the cheese is still rigid and not melted on a burger at McDonald's. Do you remember that? I do. So he says, as a former McDonald's employee, I can tell you that I love it when I receive a burger with rigid cheese, as that is the key telltale sign that the burger is ultra fresh and has just been prepared. Because McDonald's don't melt the cheese onto the burger on the grill. It just melts on the burger after it's been prepared and wrapped up or boxed up. So rigid cheese equals fresh burger. And you can't beat a double cheeseburger with two slices of rigid American cheese poking out the size. All the best, Sean Gibb, Chorley in Lancashire. Simran, so basically, when you go in now, you need to be looking for that rigid cheese. That's what we need to do. And if they, and if they're giving you melted cheese, you need to say yes. I am willing to wait the fourteen seconds for you to cook me a new one. I am willing to wait that fourteen seconds. I want rigid cheese. I'll just turn it with my own little torch and just quickly <laughs> blast it myself, <laughs> like a raclette lamp. The yeah. thing they melt cheese with in France. <laughs> I quite like that idea. I'm trying to think what I'd pack with me. What would be the best thing to take to sort of like to, to melt the cheese appropriately on your burger if you're not happy? It's got to be a torch in a holster around your hip. That feels arrestable. That feels like the sort of thing that you're... It is arrestable, but it's no big... It's, it's not as big a crime as a rigid plastic. <laughs> I was briefly thinking hot water bottle, but oh. that's insane, isn't it? But that's just because you feel a bit sicky. <laughs> it is. Do you know, I once, um, I once got my finger stuck in a hot water bottle for half a day. Half a day? What are you talking about? This is a mad story. When I was 16, I used to have... No, not 16, I was about 15, 14, that age. Weirdly, when I went to sleep at night, I used to like to have a cold water bottle on the bottom of my bed. Quite weird, isn't it? That's, but I, that's, I like uh, to be cold in bed. That's good the way I am. Okay, yep. And I was once watching some telly. I'd taken the thing out the top of the water bottle, had it in my hand, and I put my finger into it, and it went past the knuckle, and the metal ring at the top of the water bottle got stuck and I was stuck with a water, a cold water bottle, a hot water bottle 
on my finger, empty, admittedly, on my finger. Couldn't get out of it. I literally couldn't get out. So I had to get the bus from my parents' house oh, no. all the way with into hot, town with, with a whole water bottle on my finger and go to my old technology teacher's house, who's my mate's mum, and she cut me out. So I've got photos of me being cut out of a hot water bottle at the age of 15 when it got stuck on my finger. But going on a bus with a hot water bottle on your finger and going, yeah, can I get um, can I get a return, please, in the centre of bath? And kind of with this thing flapping around on my finger. What price I, dignity? I love that story because there's something about that that actually doesn't surprise me whatsoever, given only a few weeks ago you revealed that you were on a train to London for your very first time and you were so nervous you, you ate yep. your train ticket... And so by the time you reached the barriers, you had no way of getting through. You had to explain to the attendant there that you were so nervous, you'd eaten your train ticket, and that's why you don't have it on you. It's a tale as old as time, Simran. Is it? <laughs> it's afflicted millions of thick people around the world like me every year. <laughs> now, I tell you who's not thick and who is a joy to speak to. It is our next guest. It is the wonderful Carl Donnelly. Do you want to tell our audience a bit more about Carl? Because he's a Absolute delight. Carl is firstly a very, very funny man. He was nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. He's been on Mock the Week. He's been on Russell Howard's Good News. He's got a superb podcast called TVI with Carl Donnelly. It's basically him and uh, comedian Julian Dean, and they interview a comedy guest each week. Well, Carl tries to interview them while Julian interjects and tries to get them cancelled. That's basically how he describes it. Uh, (laughs) And uh, follow him on Insta, at Carl Donnelly. That's two N's. And two L's. Enjoy. Carl, you've just swallowed, which is a weird way to start it. <laughs> start, start the pod, but I just saw you chewing and then swallowing. So tell us what's in your mouth. <laughs> oh, what's all right, mate? <laughs> just met. Good much. I just had a new game show. Well, what's in your mouth? <laughs> what's in your mouth? <laughs> Where famous people come out on stage and they're chewing something, and people have to guess what it is. Me and my best friend Rich once invented a game drunk called What's on Your Head. We were in a pub, and basically you had to close your eyes, and somebody put something. Well, it could be anything. Keys, could be a beer mat, it could whatever it was. But you had to put it on their head, and just from the feel and weight, you have to guess what's on your head. Give me some examples of the sort of things it would have been on people's heads. A wallet. Okay, <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's really fun. Yeah, it's running games where at the time we were howling like this is the funniest that is great. drunk game we've ever had. And then looking back, we're like, we, um, I think everyone else in the pub really hated us. Was anyone ever prepared enough that they would bring something unusual with them to the pub, knowing at a point that game would kick off, like a chicken or something like that in the bag? <laughs> no, I mean, we, were, we did one. We did follow up with a game at uh, a friend's house when we went back there for to carry on drinking after the pub shot. And I mean, obviously having a house, the amount of options was unlimited yeah there was stuff going on their head from like from the kitchen bathroom it was chaos <laughs> in a different time you probably couldn't do it now could you to be honest it's a different time <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the early 2000s mate you could we could do anything it was a, it was a, it was a golden age of being an <laughs> asshole <laughs> what is in your mouth then? let's find out what is in your mouth i'm eating an ethiopian vegan platter oh. Of no, six thank God you said vegan platter. <laughs> <laughs> An Ethiopian vegan platter. Yeah, well, a lot of Ethiopian food is, is vegan by uh, nature, but um, I'm eating, it's a six different curries, but they're called Watts, W-A-T's, uh, and I'm eating it with two fermented injera breads. It's from a place called Elsa's Vegan Kitchen in Tootin Market that I am a regular of, and it's so delicious. And I had it in about, 
I reckon I probably haven't eaten in about three months, so I'm very excited. I'm also excited because Ethiopian food is probably my favourite food. It Which genuinely amazing. is probably my favourite so food. I even, as proof, next to me, I've brought, look. I've never heard you say that. <laughs> that is literally, I have done so many episodes of no. talk to you about food, and I've never once heard this you. This is a lie, Simran. Let me say certain words to you. Injera, sharing breads. These are things I've talked about a lot on this podcast, actually. And aficionados will fact check that and back me up and probably, you know, okay. send really aggressive emails to you about it. Um, this is my favourite book. It's uh, Ethiopia. Your favourite book is the Ethiopian cookbook. Oh, right. And your favourite book is Ethiopia. What's the capital of Ethiopia, Craig? This is the greatest piece of literature ever written, all right? <laughs> how, it, how it didn't win the Booker Prize, I still don't know. <laughs> Ulysses, Moby and uh, <laughs> Ethiopia. <laughs> but Johannes Gebrezes is an Ethiopian chef and I use this book all the time. And my point is, I love Ethiopian food so much. You're not vegetarian or vegan or anything, are you? I'm not, but uh, I do try to eat as much veg yes. as I can. And I'm being more conscious about the amount of meat I eat. Um, I don't want to become awkward early doors, Carl. <laughs> Sadly, like that's a politician's fine, answer. It's, it suddenly became quite a politician's answer for me, Craig. Okay, so, Crane, you've got this carefully placed Ethiopian cookbook next to you to prove that this is, in fact, your favourite cuisine. Yes. But, Carl, how often are you eating Ethiopian food? Probably only once every couple of months, even though it's very much up there. It's because I yeah. think the reason is because I don't actually eat a lot of takeaways. I used to eat so many takeaways and... Since having a child three years ago, uh, and I love cooking as well. I cook all the time, but I've really been conscious to, I, I try and cook every meal. Like the takeaways now are very much a rarity because if I'm getting too many takeaways, I always think that's reflective of my current state of mental health. Like, you <laughs> right. know I mean, I do think it's a, it's a real, you can chart the trajectory very much. It's a, you know, it's an exponential growth chart. <laughs> so re I'm recently, I'm just really happy just cooking and preparing food. And I'd, I've only ever cooked Ethiopian food a few times. It takes a quite a lot of yeah. prep, you know. If you are interested in, in cooking more, by the way. I forgot, for God's sake. I'd recommend <laughs> Ethiopia by Johannes Cabrezas. You do want to cook more of it. Because there's a lot of different dishes. Basically, like if you're if you're preparing a meal for your family. Absolutely. Uh, every Three times a day or whatever, then you don't want to be cooking up six different curries and fermenting bread for four days. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's quite a tricky one to have in the rotation. Do you know, actually, a, a little fact about uh, injera, the bread, it's a superfood. It is so good for you. It's a grain which has just so much good stuff in you. It's now for you. It's classed as a superfood. Don't they say that about all fermented foods? It's very good for your gut microbiome. Uh, yeah. Fermented foods are like amazing for you. I went. I go through phases where I try and be really health conscious and like eat a spoonful of kimchi every day. And then I'm like, oh, grow up. <laughs> and I get back to just being a normal human being. <laughs> but growing up, so, so you see, Carl, this still was growing up, Carl. How often did you eat takeaways? Zero. Right. I cannot, in my entire childhood, recall my parents ordering a takeaway. Like, it was genuinely just not a not an option. So where did you grow up? Um, in, in South London. In, I grew up in Tootin. So you had takeaways as an option. You weren't like, it wasn't you weren't out in the country. Okay. We are neighbours. Where do you live? Well, I grew up on Trinity Road. Really? So, and you'll know then, Tootin, famous for its uh, Indian cuisine, right? I just call it cuisine. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Should we go out for a meal? That's what you say in this scene when you <laughs> fancy a meal tonight. <laughs> Carry on. 
but yeah, so it, we had it. The world at our feet, like Tootin was, yeah, had loads of other food. You could yeah, get loads of Caribbean food, whatever. But my parents were Irish. I mean, their food tastes were about like the most missionary position food taste <laughs> yeah. you could have. And uh, and they just say my mum was always just had this. I like she had this obsession with always preparing a, a like a freshly cooked dinner. It wasn't the most exciting food. It was very much a meat and potatoes sort of thing. So I just grew up on that. And even it wasn't until my teens, I started like that excitement of going and getting McDonald's with your mates and all that. And yeah, so I wouldn't have ordered a takeaway until I lived independently out of that house, which is mad. Would your family go out and, and eat the Indian food? Also, no. No, also, <laughs> no. Okay, love it. <laughs> An emphatic no. <laughs> Not with my dad's politics. Yeah. <laughs> Talk us through what is what would be a classically missionary position meal on the part of your mum, as you described it. As the Donnelly family. No, I will say, sometimes we would venture into a curry, and my mum would be so proud that she'd made a curry. And what that curry would entail was her cutting up a chicken breast, boiling some rice, and um, then adding a jar of Sharwood's curry sauce to it. Like, okay, that was yeah. my mum's idea. Like, <laughs> okay. she was like, it, she'd talk about it like she was like bloody, you know, Nigella Lawson. She's been adding all these <laughs> ingredients. Um, so, like, that was that was the most adventurous food. Growing up, my palate was so crap. I hated spicy food. But then, obviously, once I got into my 20s, uh, I met who became my first wife. And I said that, like, Richard Burton. But um, <laughs> Richard. She had traveled a lot and she was an amazing. She loved her food. Like she had all different cultures, food. And, you know, and she basically, <laughs> it was an awakening for me. I finally got to just eat everything. And I, just, I, I really I fell in love with all different foods. Do you remember any of those first meals that really sort of blew your mind or something that really took you to a place you just weren't anticipating? No, I don't really. My memory is very bad. Like once I started going out for curries when me and my mates would go for drinks when we were 18 and go to we'd, that classic thing of going to the curry house after the pub shot it was a real yep. tradition wasn't it and we did it there were some great ones in Tootin we used to go to like again because I wasn't into spice and I suddenly for me like my early days of curries were so you know the, the archetypal non-spicy like I'd get a korma I'd get a peshwari naan it was like having a pudding double basically. coconut <laughs> double coconut <laughs> A hundred poppadoms. Like it was just so formulaic. So, and I remember it was probably yeah. Once I met my ex-wife, and then she was she used to love a prawn boona. I remember it really clearly. Yeah. And it was from trying that, I was like, oh. well, once I got into spice, I'm I'm now like a madman for spice. So was spice a problem for you then when you when you first start? You 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 found it an issue. Yeah, and um, and that is a family trait. I once made my dad, I, when I was about 30, maybe 28, 29, I cooked my dad a peppered steak. That is steak with just quite a bit of black pepper on it. And he yeah. reacted like he'd eaten a Carolina Reaper chili. <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> he was crying, <laughs> coughing, give me water! Like, it was, just, it was chaos. But that was pepper. That's sort of how yeah. white... And Irish, my parents were. So when you were in your 20s, what was your first foray into like cooking as well for yourself? Were you adventurous in that sense? Or were you just trying to figure out how to make a korma? Yeah, no, yeah, early days, I wasn't very adventurous because my palate wasn't. But I did cook a lot. I sort of um, did start cooking quite young. I was very independent. I started getting quite good at cooking um, in my mid to late 20s. And I started really doing it a lot and trying to push myself and cook better and exciting things. But when I went vegan was when it all changed. And I'd suddenly like, 
I learned so much once I went vegan of the fundamentals of cooking. You don't want to just be the one of them vegans that goes vegan and then basically eats pasta and bread for two years. And right, one, yeah. you wonder why I've gone vegan, but I don't feel healthier. It's like <laughs> 5,000 tons of carbs a day. A 100% chip diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that also partly because you have less to work with to some extent? Maybe that's not true. Maybe I mean, there's such a huge range of things you can use, but maybe you have to make the flavors sing more and kind of that's a, the skill comes into it more. Well, I wouldn't say the flavors sing more because, you know, most meats don't particularly have much of a flavor in and of themselves. I'd like to retract that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's you okay. Know, chicken doesn't taste of <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but what it teaches, when you go vegan, unless you want to have quite a bland, you know, small um, rotation of dishes that you're cooking, yes. what it forces you to, I think, or it doesn't force you, but if you're interested and you want to, you have to spread the net wider in terms of cuisines. Mm. So I would have never had Ethiopian food until I went vegan because suddenly I was like at a vegan market or something or vegan festival and I saw an Ethiopian stand of vegan food. Yeah. I was like, what is this? So like cuisines that I probably would never have even considered now are, are regular in the diet. It's interesting about vegan food because I think there might be a probably a misconception that as you as we touched on that vegans had generally quite healthy and health conscious and that kind of stuff. But actually, that's not always the case. So you're a vegan, but if you want to have like a late night drunken sort of food option, what is your sort of vegan guilty pleasure? Oh, morals go out the window. If I'm drunk, I'll kill a pig, mate. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I um. I late night, <laughs> but they're not eating because you're vegan. You just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird, that's a weird sort of thing. But just letting some of the anger out, isn't it? More yeah. just an act of violence. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a total random attack. You know, late night food could just be a chips in a takeaway. It could be a falafel. It could be your options are limited. But if I get home, you know, it's a drunken snack. I'll just have a bit of toast with peanut butter or something. You know. Or, Hopefully, I'm quite good at leftovers. I've always got leftovers in the fridge. I always overcook, right. like, I'm, because my wife works three days a week, so I make extra food so she can take some for her lunch. Oh, that's very sweet. Can I ask you a quick question about the toast and the peanut butter? Yeah, let's get into this. <laughs> Go on, let's open up this Pandora's box. Are you putting butter? Are you toasting it, then putting a lot of butter, and then the peanut butter, or are you going peanut butter straight to toast? Are you not even toasting it? I think toast, obviously, I'm toasting it. But yeah. people who put butter under peanut butter, are, you know, you're, you're asking for trouble, man. Come on. Really? A, no, I just completely disagree. I fiercely disagree. It doesn't spread easily. It has to be butter. A bit, a bit of butter, yeah. You need to get a good quality peanut butter, mate. That's very creamy. Like 100% peanuts. Oh, are we talking crunchy or smooth? Um, I'm actually a crunchy fan, but we tend to buy smooth now because we've got a three-year-old and she doesn't like the little bits. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, look, I, I I can just about understand the smooth without the peanut butter, but the crunchy without the butter I find really difficult. And I like I like it when you spread the butter and then the peanut butter's gone over it and you've got that melted buttery into the peanut buttery sort of you know mix. I just think it gets too oily. Like peanut butter um, is, is, is oily. In and of itself, I think you're adding you're adding oil to oil. I go through phases of being very healthy. I go through phases of being an absolute disgrace. But that, for some reason, that feels to me like 
frying a peanut butter and jam sandwich or something. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. Put an extra butter on it. I'm like, no, this is bad for my belly. Well, <laughs> as we talk about your belly, let's let's talk about what's going into your belly at this exact moment. I mean, I've almost finished it. I'm hoovering this up. It's unbelievable. What dishes are or were in front of you? Uh, and talk us through why you love this meal. So, yeah, so this one is a six curry banquet. <laughs> That's the wrong word. Ooh. But it's the first one that came <laughs> into my head. Um, yeah. There was a definitely a uh, lentil curry. There was one that had okra, which I'm a big Great. fan of okra. Huge fan of okra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to treat it delicately. Yeah. Have you ever cooked it and it goes really slimy? It does get slimy quite quickly, though. Yeah. You've got a really... It's a it's a tightrope walk cooking okra. Yeah. I'm a big fan of an okra fry. I don't know if you've ever had oh, that. Yes, That's amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, in, like, in good uh, Indian restaurants, you can sometimes get them. They're fantastic. There was a spinach one, you know, which was sort of like a, a sagaloo type affair. Um, that was lovely. There was a, a yellow, like, um, split pea type one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very good. Spicy, particularly these? or uh, A couple of them are pretty spicy, but not mad spicy, you know. And there was one which I've now got no remnants of, so I can't remember what that was. <laughs> That's the only one there's no residue left of. Your memory genuinely is terrible. <laughs> yeah. But there's a real richness and depth to flavour to well-made Ethiopian food It's because it, it's slow-cooked for so long, a lot of it. And also, traditionally... Ethiopian food is cooked with clarified butter. But as you're vegan, you wouldn't you wouldn't be yeah. having that. But if I make it at home, I'm aware of quite how unhealthy it is because it's, it's a lot of clarified butter in there. Someone's read their book, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I've, I've read it. I've used it. I've you know, it's part of who I am. To be honest, I'm you know, it represents me. But there is there is a depth of flavour in Ethiopian food which I can I love. It's amazing. Yes. Is, that, is that what you're into? Yeah, and it's that thing of like when you get it. This is what I love about it. All six curries, obviously, apart from like the probably the yellow split p one and the spinach the others do look very similar to your eye you're like this is all going to taste very similar but then each one is very different and like you know you get a selection of it in your mouth mm. and it's crazy like it's so yeah. nice and some are spicy some aren't yeah so it's just such a breadth of experience to it in an ethiopian meal i think it's probably worth mentioning just to listeners when you say six curries they're not like full Curry serving size, curry <laughs> you get if you pop yeah. in your... <laughs> yeah, this meal is um, twenty eight thousand calories. Carl has taken his trousers off. I've actually booked an ambulance to pick me up when we when we hang up. <laughs> That's the expensive part. Isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, you book an Uber to the hospital afterwards. <laughs> so you love Ethiopian food. You got yes. into food in your in your in your mid twenties, but you say you don't get takeaways much now. What about when you're off? doing stand-up like when you're away from home how are you eating again it's very seasonal like in terms of and i, I don't mean the, the season i mean my i sort of do three months on three months off in terms of being healthy like i do three months where i'm pretty militant and my week if i go away for a weekend of gigs i will basically eat fruit and you know stuff in the in my hotel room. i'll go and find very healthy snacks and like over that weekend i'll, I'll eat like a, a monk I don't know what they eat. I said that. I have no idea what monk dietary habits are. Okay. Communion wafers and, uh, and sort of holy yeah. wine. Yeah. It? yeah, I basically drink um, tonic wine in my hotel room. The blood of Christ before going to the oh, glee. <laughs> Why do monks, mate? I always I thought about this. Why are monks out making booze? I was in I was in Belgium and I had some uh, doing gigs in Belgium and I had some like proper Trappist monk ale and it was disgusting. Why are we giving them the responsibility of making our alcohol? 
I'd be annoyed if I was a monk and I went to live in a monastery and find God and they went, oh, by the way, you now work in a brewery. (laughs) If you're a weekend gig, you often it'll be a Friday, Saturday night, uh, same place, or if you're on tour. So you're in your hotel room just eating fruit and nuts, are you? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's different every time. But then sometimes if I'm if I'm not in a health period and I'm, you know, having drinks with people after the show, and what I'll do is I'll find all the naughty vegan local hotspots that do like vegan junk food. And suddenly I'll be like gorging. And I love it because it's a really mad thing to be eating like vegan chicken wings and all these weird concoctions. Some vegans live like that all the time, and I just think that's not, that makes me feel sick. And there's always a breaking point where I get to a couple of months in, and I'm like, okay, that's enough now. Let's let's wind our neck in. Is your wife vegan as well? No, she's a butcher. <laughs> she's not. No, she's a she's vegan. She's not a butcher. She's a, she's a, she's a, like, that is fucking fantastic. You did believe it. But um, no, she is a vegan. <laughs> I did believe it. <laughs> um, she is a, a vegan. She's been vegetarian since she was a kid, like, like young, young. Not, and her parents weren't. It was a decision she made. But she then went sort of intermittently vegan from probably like through her 20s. She'd go in and out of having the odd egg or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining her after completely vegan months and then suddenly she's, you come in and she's eating a hard-boiled egg in the sitting room. You go, what are you doing? I said it like it was a relapse. So yeah, she has the old relapse and has an egg. She has an emergency egg in her pocket at all times. <laughs> she ever has the urge. It's 2 a.m. The hard yeah, yeah. eggs are coming out. She comes back in and I'm so sorry. Yes, sir, I had. I just crumbled. I had an egg. And I'm like, get out. <laughs> and take your chicken with you. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, sorry. But um, but yeah, no, she, so she's been lifetime veggie. And then when we first met, she was... I think when we, when we first met, we became friends for a couple of years before we got together, and um, I was I was still eating meat, but I was on the I was on this weird cusp of doing something mad, and um, and I did it. I just went vegan overnight a few months later, and that was totally unrelated to her or anything. It was just my own thing that I'd already been thinking about. And then when we find when we got together, she'd gone full vegan, and I also was vegan, and that was totally unrelated. And we we've both lived as vegan since. So you talk about vegan junk food there. And I know you only have it occasionally. Yeah. What is your dream vegan junk food meal? Weirdly, I think if you're eating junk food, just do it properly. And like one of the things I will say is like a vegan pizzas. Vegan pizzas are now readily available, which is amazing. Up until five years ago, my vegan pizza options were a pizza base with the tom- like the tomato sauce and then some courgette on it. You know what I mean? It was just right. Crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. obviously, if it was a really good base, that was fine. I think most pizzas, the base is the is the star, isn't it? Mm. But now you can just get vegan pizza everywhere. Vegan cheese, vegan meats on it. And my favourite vegan pizza, unless it's a very high-end one I've been to, like there's a few places in Edinburgh that are amazing. And there's one in Brighton called Purezza. And, but like it's just the Domino's vegan pepperoni. Really? Yeah. It's dirty, but it All is right. good. And like if you get it, you get it with the vegan creamy garlic sauce. You feel sick after it, but it's, it is very Moorish. And once a month or something, that might be a little... Ooh. Saying that, that the garlic sauce is vegan, I didn't think that the regular garlic sauce was, was non-vegan. I presume it must have... Um, I don't know. Pig must have some sort of gelatin in it. Pig? Yeah. It's got some pig in it. It's got some pig in it. It's got to have some pig in it. It could be a gelatin. It could be a, 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 could be a dairy sort of a, a milk type sort of thing to lighten it up. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's probably what it is. And because the date on the top of the lid is often not as far away as you think it is. And I, because I put it in my <laughs> fridge for later use. Oh. And I returned like three weeks later and it's like, oh, that's gone off. 
I thought this stuff would last for, for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it'd be full of stuff you could take, you could go on a mission to space and you'd be up there for 15 years. And <laughs> yeah, you'd open, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd come back, open your fridge and it would still be fine. Yeah. <laughs> be that sort of situation. So let's talk about sort of weird food combinations. Are you quite a traditional eater or are there weird things you get into? Uh, Jake Lambert, we had on a few weeks ago, he has, how do you describe it, Sim? It's like a seven-level cereal. <laughs> he gets seven yeah. different types of cereal, <laughs> piles them on top of each other every morning and creates this thing. Oh, like a lasagna. Was there even milk with that, or did he just have it dry? I think it's a mixture, sometimes not. I used to love dry cereal. For did you? When I was a kid, I used to love dry cereal. I've never got my head around dry cereal, and I've heard that it's now a thing to have with orange juice. My mother-in-law does that, and I think it's frankly disgusting. That <laughs> like, is so weird, right? It's I... horrific. Oh, my God. No, I, just, I can't understand that concept. You're putting an acidic liquid yeah. with a cereal. Most cereals, even like a bran flakes, have a sweetness to them. You know, it's just a mad concoction. Yeah, what are your weird food combinations? Um... Are, are there any th- strange things that you enjoy that people would find a bit weird? I don't know. I mean, I've gone through phases when me and my friend um, Rich from uh, What's on Your Head fame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when we lived together, we used to like almost do like yeah. We would sometimes have slightly odd concoctions that we'd almost just start eating in the vicinity of the other one just to see if they notice. Right. I I remember once he came into the <laughs> living room and I was watching TV and I was eating like a, just a yogurt. You know, it would have been like a strawberry or raspberry classic yogurt. Uh, yeah. But instead of a spoon, I was eating it with a digestive biscuit. Oh, <laughs> it was absolutely delicious. It was great. Yeah. And I and I did. I ended up doing that for quite a long period. Um, and then one, <laughs> I remember one time I walked in and he, he was eating a bowl of rice and pear. <laughs> which is, what? <laughs> just chopped a pear. A bowl of rice and chopped pear. Yeah, All right. Like, yeah, I'm just having a bowl of rice and pears. Are so, you sure it wasn't rice pudding? You're entirely sure? Because that would there'd be some logic to that. Just playing basmati rice. <laughs> Uncle Ben's, Uncle Ben's white rice with just chopped fresh pear. I'll tell you one that I'm loving at the minute as a little snack. Um, it's probably not that weird, but it, I mean, in terms of the actual the extreme difference between how sweet and how salty it is, is um, I love dates. I love a medjool date. Yes, medjool date. Get that bloody stone out of it, right? Open it up. And that tight plastic wrapping can fucking do one as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I put, put a bit of peanut butter in the dates. And then um, I've recently been buying these incredibly salty toasted, not sunflower seeds. Are they pumpkin seeds? They're one of the seeds. What are the little black seeds? Human seeds? Long, long seeds. They're long sort of, it could be a sunflower seed. Caraway? Um, no, it's not caraway. It's a proper seed, like a sort of, like a, you know, like a sunflower or one of those. I think I know exactly what you mean, but yeah, yeah. That people do snack on, but they're toasted and they're salted. And I just get them in, I get them in like a, um, it's like a Polish shop down the road. And the writing on it is, I'm going to say Polish, but I don't know enough to know if that. That is correct but it's like a pound for a bag of these they're so salty like you eat one little handful of them and you're like, that's enough sodium for one day so what i do is i put a little um, bowl of them and then i get a date put the peanut butter in it i dip it in and when it comes out loads of these salty seeds are stuck wow. to the top and i eat it and it's sweet then you get the peanut butter creaminess and then you get this salt here at the end and it's gorgeous it sounds amazing that although i think when i inevitably have a breakdown the sort of thing I'll be found doing will be spooning peanut butter into dates in my kitchen. So this is my yeah. question, Carl. How, how, how are you getting that peanut butter into that date? That's The date for me is 
it's quite a finickety process that yeah. unless you're syringing it in. Choose a chopstick. No, no, because I've I've obviously split the date to get the seed out, so it's already oh. it's, it's butterflied the date. Oh, you butterfly the date. <laughs> I assumed you I assumed you had shoved the seed out using yeah. a chopstick. I thought you were you were injecting it. Yeah, no, I've not got like a a syringe, like a sort of donut syringe. <laughs> Is that what they, they must have? They have special donut syringes to put jam in donuts. Yeah, they do. I'd say until my 30s, I thought they cooked it with a jam in, like a Kiev. <laughs> until you said that then, I thought they did that. <laughs> I've seen people pipe it in. As if you yeah, pipe, pipe it, in. it in, they pipe it in, they pipe it in, they pipe it in. But yeah, you're, yeah. Not, you're not piping it into the day. I'm not you, piping it in, no. You, 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 <laughs> Split the date. You've yeah. taken out the stone. You're spreading in the peanut butter. You're closing it up. I'm not closing it. You're not closing it. I don't close it. So each one is. I har- once I butterfly, I halve it. Yeah. Separate them. Yeah. Tea, like half a teaspoon of te- peanut butter to create yeah. like a little dome of peanut butter. Oh, okay. And that gives enough surface space for the seeds to stick to on the peanut butter. For these these as yet unnamed but salty seeds. This feels like the sort of thing you, you'll end up doing when you should be working on your Edinburgh show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes the Edinburgh show. And, yeah. and then... <laughs> my tax returns due in and then my yeah. accountant's calling me. I'm like, mate, come on, leave me alone. I'm butterflying dates at the minute. <laughs> That's a great one. I will try that. I genuinely will try that. It does sound that does sound excellent? It's lovely. So that's a culinary success. Let's yes. move on to <laughs> look at this for a link, Sim. Let's move into culinary disasters. Oh, I've got I've got a good one of culinary disasters. Me and my wife, it was insane. We decided to try to live as raw vegans about five years ago, like raw, no cooked foods, nothing like. We were, uh, we'd read about it and we thought we fancy doing a bit of a health kick. You no know. cooked food. For no how, cooked was food this, whatsoever. For how, for how long? We ended up doing it for, I reckon, three weeks we lasted before we were like, I need something hot. Is it because you feel you, you get more nutritional value from the food? There are people that believe that raw food is much healthier for you. We didn't actually really do it for that. We just knew that it would be quite a challenge. We like to challenge. And also because we wanted to sort of just have a three weeks where we slightly deflated from a probably probably just come back from edinburgh and uh okay you know in the run-up to edinburgh we'd both been pretty sociable and we probably were just carrying a few extra pounds we didn't want and how are we going to do it do we go on some weird diet i mean sometimes it, we always found it more fun to do something that was a challenge that was like something that would keep our interests going yeah yeah interesting and a friend of mine had bought me a dehydrator which is used by a lot of raw vegans oh yeah you yeah, can yeah. make like raw bread which is basically just mashed up seeds and things it becomes almost a dough but it, and then you just spread it out into like a long sheet and you dehydrate it and it goes hard. But like we did that for three weeks and um, it was fine. It was just really hard. Every meal is a challenge to like create. It's like it takes a lot of prep. You've got to get so many things you, you've got ready to go at all times just to have to make sure you're getting enough of everything. I started getting a bit fancy with some of the recipes. I was reading all these cool recipes for raw vegan things. And like one day I tried to make a creamy pasta sort of dish with like yeah instead of spaghetti it was obviously um i think it was probably courgette i'd say that's one of the ones they often spiralize don't they into like a noodle yeah courgette is that what they call it yeah courgette yeah and um like, i don't like courgette at any point i think it's pointless it's like a sort of cooked cooked cucumber that's crap couldn't agree more i hate it such an awful vegetable it's pointless no flavour. I'm into. I, I completely. I completely agree. I just said I'm into it, which is the opposite. I'm not into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I'm into whatever you guys said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Simran's Sim so keen to be part of a crowd. I don't really care. I like vegan or vegan. I don't care. 
but yeah, so I did that. I made I made courgette, which was so we we're already already off to a bad start. That was going to be the spaghetti yeah. element, and then I made a creamy sauce. I think it was like cashews. But this bit again sounds all right. But then in the recipe, it said like, you know, quite a, a lot of mustard in the sauce. <laughs> and obviously, okay. you go too heavy on mustard, it's, then you just say all you can taste is mustard. Basically, the sauce ended up just being runny mustard. Uh, and it, so it was like a runny mustard shit spaghetti. <laughs> like, it took me so long as well to like get everything together and spiralizing courgettes and making this bloody sauce. And I had to soak cashews for about an hour and blitz them up. Like, it was a lot of work. And my wife honestly took one bite and went, that is disgusting. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> and I couldn't even disagree. I'd taken like one bite and I, in my head, I was like, this is not great, but hopefully she likes it. And like, <laughs> we both just binned it off. Didn't touch any more. All that work. <laughs> and it was just in the bin. I'd assume in my ignorance that the one benefit of raw vegan cuisine is it was hopefully quite easy. You're yeah, just basically no. chopping up the veg and kind of that's one of the things it frees up a bit of time for you. I'd imagine yeah. that's basically what, <laughs> you know, you're, you're eating just a stack of whatever, but it's, that's fascinating. And are there, are there many people that do this? Is that kind of, is it a popular thing? More I think there are. There, um, I've, I've actually met a fruitarian, a guy who's lived for the last 30 years just on fruit alone. 30 years? Yeah, he's, uh, he's weirdly, he's a, one of my wife's school friends. It's his dad. He just became a fruitarian and moved up to Cairns, which is like the lovely, very, very North Queensland in Australia. And he, he's just got this weird hippie retreat where he dries out and sells his own fruit. So you can just buy, like, dried mango cheeks and all that. But he um, wow. he's a fruitarian. Is he healthy? He looks great. If you if I'd met him and you said he's only eating fruit for 30 years, I, I wouldn't have believed it. But, like he's yeah, he's, it's his ethos. I'm sure some people probably maybe have some sort of metabolism. And, you know, they, he can't be doing much exercise. I, I don't wow. imagine he's, you know, he's probably just kicking about in the sun eating fruit. The man from Del Monte. Yeah. Like, what are you <laughs> Right, that's amazing. Good on him. That's such an extreme concept to me. Like, I'd, I'd go mad. Absolutely. Um, I also, weirdly, my wife also knows somebody who lived on potatoes for one year. No. <laughs> that doesn't sound out of choice. One year. You, you can Google it. One year makes it sound like they've, they've lost a bet as well. If it's yeah. one year. And when you say potatoes, what? This is just, this is chips. They could be prepared in different ways. He wasn't eating them like apples. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Cards on the table. That's exactly how I'd imagined it. They were just eating raw potatoes. <laughs> that is, I was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. What I mean is, my wife knew someone who had a psychotic episode. <laughs> if you Google Australian potato man, <laughs> you'll find it. <laughs> right. Okay. Basically, he was quite overweight. I don't think that's going to help, is it? Uh, it's that classic thing where anyone who goes on an incredibly restrictive extreme diet, regardless of what you know, people that go yeah. on a carnivore diet or whatever extreme raw vegan, you know, they always feel super healthy and they probably slim out a bit for a bit. Because if you go from a crap diet of loads of bad stuff, even yeah. if it's to a bad diet, but there's less of it and it's more restrictive, your body's probably going to slightly improve briefly. Also, if it's consistently potatoes, you're definitely skipping some of your meals, aren't you? Yeah. You're getting to lunch. You're going, you're right, I think I might leave it. Oh, I just can't eat another <laughs> boiled four. potato. <laughs> worst potato. I'll just, I'll just briefly tell you, I don't know if you agree with this. People don't seem to disagree with it. I think the worst potato of all potatoes is the boiled new potato. Uh, yes, I would... Agree. Skin on, skin on, skin off. Skin on, boiled new potato for me is misery. Inside a salad with mayonnaise and spring onions. That's fine. Potato salad is you're you're adding enough to it to distract you from what it is. But I would say skin off boiled potato is my oh. that is my nightmare of potatoes. Like a, a skin on boiled potato, I'm still going to do something with it. But if I taste one, 
while before I prepare prepare whatever yeah. is going in, I'm not angry. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to eat that on its own. But mm. but if yeah, if you gave me a boiled peeled potato, I would think that is disgusting. It makes me feel really sad. It takes me back to sort of moments in my childhood of like terrible school trip dinners and like miserable school lunch and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't Horrible. know. I, I need to talk to someone about it, I think, probably. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right in time. So this potato guy, your best friend, the potato man, <laughs> is still yeah, alive. I don't, I don't know how he did it, but he lost loads of weight and he was in all the papers and stuff. Yeah, so according to, to the Daily Mail, he lost 50 kilograms <laughs> by eating nothing but potatoes for a year. And all his friends. <laughs> he lost his house, he lost his wife. You know, it's, cool, it's great. <laughs> and he turned he turned his bizarre diet into a thriving global business called Spudfit. No. Spudfit? No, he hasn't. Apparently. I've never heard of Spudfit. <laughs> it's a thriving business. Yeah, it's like Tesla Spudfit, mate. They're two of the biggest brands in the world. What are you blind? <laughs> Before embarking on this spud-only food plan, Mr. Taylor said he'd been spending his days eating deep-fried food, ice cream, cake, chocolate and pizza. I'd argue there's a middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not 100% potato based. Incredible. Can I take you to a very specific type of meal that you would eat as someone who tours and all these sort of things. So I'm always intrigued about this, which is the service station stop-off meal. Oh, yeah, yeah. As a stand-up, what is your go-to service station takeaway? It's it's evolved over the years, because obviously my doing stand-up, I was already doing stand-up when I went vegan, so I'd been non-vegan for a while, and that was then obviously it would have been a sandwich, chocolate bar, crisps, drink, whatever. Yeah. When I went vegan, that was before the vegan boom. I would guess the vegan boom was like 2015, 16, when it really blew up. So I had a couple of years on the road when it just you couldn't really get much. So my so my service station snack was always terrible banana. Maybe at a push, I might treat myself to a pack of dry roasted peanuts. Like there was no what you'd say like a, a sandwich or anything that is yeah. like a meal based thing. The thing that came, uh, I remember finding it and being like, "Oh, this is a revelation." Was a vegetable samosa that you get in service stations. You ever seen them? They were in little plastic packs. I found some of them turned out to be vegan. And then probably from 2016 onwards, it, things have just started sparking up. You can get loads of vegan stuff now. You can get vegan sandwiches in garages. and So now I don't really, it doesn't even cross my mind. So that, that's had a real impact in your experience as a stand-up. Uh, it, it, it must improve your life a lot then in that case, is it? Well, yeah, it meant like the amount of time, even like dinners. Sometimes I'd go to do gigs in small towns that had no vegan options. And my dinner was genuinely a bit of fruit and a pack of crisps and a Diet Coke or something just to... <laughs> just to sustain me till I got home that night. So, but I had a few years of that and then things caught up and now, now it's every, I've not been to a town, no matter how small, no matter how regional I'm talking, like even in, I remember going to Ireland, me and my wife went to Ireland. Um, I think it was like 2019. And I took her to visit where my mum was from tiny little town in the middle of nowhere on the West of Ireland. Like literally, so it's not even a village. It's just one road essentially. And it's the UFO capital of Ireland. So it's pretty mad. And I was like, we're not going to be able to eat there. We're going to have to drive to Sligo, which is like a half an hour drive just to get any food. And literally, as we were driving into the town, we drove past like a health shop that was new and that had loads yeah. of vegan stuff. Then we popped into the big supermarket and they just had a whole vegan section. I was like, this is the world has changed now. There's no way you can't really get it. Scott, taking you back to your either pre-vegan days or even your vegan days, this is a question, just one of our final questions as we ask all of our guests. You're coming home. It's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. You're craving 
some some dirty late night food. What is it you're going for? Late night, probably pizza. I you know, I love a leftover pizza reheated in the oven very quickly, hot oven for about two minutes. So that's from home rather than you're asking for a leftover pizza out. Oh, if I'm out, out, I would say. I mean, if, I, if I'd have gone old school, if we're talking when I was like 18 and drunk. Let's go old school. Yeah. Like, I used to love Donna meat and chips. That was like my go to. Disgusting. Like, looking back, I can't even imagine how bad it must taste. With, uh, with yeah. sauce on top of oh, it or everything. On the side. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. Loads yeah. of sauce. Burger sauce. Do you remember what that concoction was? Oh, yes. Did you have burger sauce, Donna meat and chips? Yeah. Yeah. God. God damn it! Do you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a shop now around the corner for me that sells the biggest bottles of burger sauce. Like, it's like they sell yeah. wholesale to like kebab shops, and um, and it's like it really takes me back every time I see a bottle of it. It's, it's basically ketchup and mayonnaise, isn't it? But no one wants to say they create this myth of burger sauce. And have you treated yourself to one of those bottles? Is there one of those in your fridge or not? I don't think because they use. I think it's proper mayonnaise in it. So no, I mean not high end ah, mayonnaise. Okay, right. it's, <laughs> it's, really, it's like gourmet, really expensive mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> They're making it in the morning. It's it's homemade mayonnaise. Fucking there, <laughs> getting that egg yolk, that vinegar, that ketchup, piping in and fucking selling it off. Why do we call this burger sauce? It's not doing justice to the work and care and love that goes into this. <laughs> We really need to give ourselves more credit. It's a family recipe. Carl, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy to speak to you. Before you go, uh, just to reiterate, can you remind our listeners where you've ordered from, the dishes you had, and basically whether you'd recommend this place to us? 100% recommendation. Elsa's Vegan Kitchen in Tootin Market. It might actually be in Broadway Market. I always forget there's two Tootin Markets. And it's in one or the other, but it doesn't matter. If you get, if you, if you, yeah, by walk through both markets, there's loads of food available. Elsa's uh, vegan kitchen. Yeah, and it's yes. a, it's a tiny, it's a tiny little stand. They've got one little bench outside. If you want to sit in there, it's great. Uh, they make it for you there and then. They sort of, it's 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 really lovely little place run by nice people. And well, it looks great. Delivered to these surrounding areas. Fantastic. I actually had the platter for two because you get all six curries. Whereas if you get the platter for one, you get a choice of four of the curries. But yeah, so yeah, go for the two, get all six, have leftovers for later. Lovely. Four full-size injera breads with it, which is plenty. And if you do want to make Ethiopian food at home, I can recommend Johannes Gabrasis' <laughs> Ethiopia, which, for my money, is the best book ever written. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Carl, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Carl. No, thanks for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hold up. 
can contact the show on Twitter at Fave Takeaway Pod or Instagram on My Favorite Takeaway Podcast. You can email us with your stories of takeaway, woe, gripes, your worries on hello at my favorite takeaway podcast.com. That was a very, very funny uh, Carl Donnelly. What a great show. What a great guy. Loved it. An absolute joy. Just a really warm, funny, funny man. And also Ethiopian food. Absolute win for me, as I say. I'm very aware that you love it. You can now put that book all the way back down to the cellar where it's been for the past <laughs> four years. Gathering dust. <laughs> Gathering dust. <laughs> With my expensive uh, wine. I'm definitely going to go get some Ethiopian food now. That's all I do. feel like. Yeah. Do do that. And 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 listeners, thank you so much for spending uh, another hour with us. We really appreciate you giving us your time. And if you are a long-term listener or a new listener or someone who enjoys the show, drop us a five-star review. Write something nice about the show because it helps spread the word. It helps create community and it helps, you know, further this project. See you guys soon. Further the project. <laughs> it's not Oppenheimer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.